What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to The Majority Decision. I'm your host, Greg Garcia. Comes to you live from the great state of Texas right here in the Parts Unknown studio. Thanks for downloading. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes if you find yourself so nicely inclined to do so. You can catch us on pretty much everywhere you can find podcasts, Apple, iTunes, Podbean, all those good places. But let's get right to it. Last night, it finally happened, UFC 249. It's came and went. I hope everybody enjoyed it. A lot and a lot of controversy coming up and leading into this thing. Canceled shows, canceled fights. We thought it was going to be U- uh, UFC 250. We thought it was going to be Khabib versus uh, Tony Ferguson. All of that was changed. All of that was scrapped. And But what we did get, what we did end up with, man, I tell you what, it was a great show, top to bottom. Every fight was a pretty good fight, and um, I know there was a lot of controversy leading up, a lot of things in the news. Of course, let's get that out of the way right away. We did find out yesterday uh, that Jacare Souza and two of his cornermen tested positive for the coronavirus, and they were pulled from the event. Uh, Jacare was set to fight Uriah Hall, and of course that fight did not take place. It was scratched. And a lot of people were curious when they saw the standoff between the two. And Jacare had the full face mask on with the gloves. And they were standing extra, extra long uh, distance apart from each other. But uh, the fight didn't ended up not happening. It was uh, to go ahead and obviously to go ahead and um, send Jacare and those two cornermen uh, home to, to be isolated. And Dana White says, he's, says they're going to get good treatment and be taken care of. So hopefully that's the case. There were a lot of questions uh, in in the news about how was the UFC going to take care of its fighters? What were they going to do? And Dana White said that they administered over 1,200 tests to right around 300 people throughout the last week. And, um, you know, all we can do is hope that they did what they can and uh, kept everybody safe. And it certainly looks like they did. The overall atmosphere of the show was interesting. I think it was a very good Obviously, the card was great, but the big question is, how was it going to be without fans? Um, you know, they had done the show previously uh, in front of an empty arena, and it, was, it wasn't it was bad. And this one, this one was solid, I got to say. You know, halfway through the, through the card, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know what, I don't know if I miss the fans. I don't know if I miss the fans at all. I mean, obviously, there's a lot to be said when you have an arena full of 16,000, 17,000 screaming fans and just the energy that you get from the crowd and the atmosphere that it creates for the fighters and just the event itself. But, you know, to say that it really took a lot away from the show to not have a crowd, you know, I don't think that's the case. I mean, when you look at, you know, the only other sport that we really have to compare it to right now is, uh, well, sport, uh, sports entertainment, that is. I mean, is WWE and uh, professional wrestling who continues to hold shows with, Empty arenas, AEW doing the same, NXT doing the same. Of course, Raw and SmackDown and professional wrestling without a crowd. Now, that's a completely different story. And that is having a pretty big effect on uh, the the quality of their shows because atmosphere and the crowd reaction uh, is a big part of their shows. And But when it comes to mixed martial arts and MMA, I don't know that the crowd reaction is that big of a deal. A lot of times it's more annoying, especially for the viewer. You know, when fans begin to boo for for no apparent reason or a lot of people like to complain about the constant wooing and this and that and all those different things. But 
you know, as I'm watching the show, I'm I'm thinking, you know what? Hey, there's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with no crowd. I mean, you know, hey, I, I the, the action is what takes place inside the cage, and um, the crowd is really a secondary thing. So, uh, you know, like I said, I thought it was good, and I thought they did a great job uh, of of making it feel like a UFC event without a crowd. And uh, they, uh, hey, they pulled it off. I mean, that's what I got to say. I mean, I know they have a lot of a lot of people that are criticizing them. There's a lot of people that think they shouldn't even be holding events right now. But you know what? I mean, I've been over it before. I'll say it again. Look, if, if the fighters want to fight and there is areas in the country that are going to allow them to do so and they are going and the UFC is going to do everything that they can to make it safe, uh, as safe as possible, uh, you know, hey, I say uh, let it be their choice. You know, nobody's making anybody fight. Nobody's making anybody show up to corner anybody or to take part in the event. It's all by choice. If guys want to fight and they can facilitate that, then I say let them do it. And they certainly did yesterday. Of course, UFC 249 came to us from Vistar Veteran Memorial Arena in Jacksonville, Florida. Jacksonville stepped up. Florida stepped up and hosted this event. Really some great action right off the bat. I'm not going to go through every fight. Anthony Pettis and Donald Cerrone. Boy, I tell you what, I don't know if it gets any better than that. Uh, Anthony Pettis walks away with a unanimous decision, 29-28, by all three judges. Great fight there. A great, wa great way to cap off the ESPN part of the card. There was a little bit of a lot of uh, uh, questioning of how come this fight's not on the main card, especially when you have Greg Hardy and then uh, Jorgen DeCastro. What, you know, why would... Anthony Pettis and Cowboy Cerrone, two by far, two of the most popular fighters and definitely two of the most exciting fighters in the UFC. Why would they be relegated to a preliminary card and not be on that main card? And then, if, uh, well, I guess and then you got to talk about Greg Hardy. A lot of people don't like Greg Hardy because he's got a checkered past. Um, he's done a lot of terrible things, been accused of some terrible things in the course of his life. And so that automatically, uh, you know, he's he's public enemy number one for a lot of people. A lot of people don't even think the UFC should be allowing him to fight. Um, but, you know, I guess it is what it is. You know, if I'm marking out a card, if I'm the promoter, if I'm sitting in Uncle Dana's shoes, then I'm putting Anthony Pettis and Donald, Donald Cerrone. They're opening my pay-per-view card. And Greg Hardy and Jorgen DeCastro are sitting somewhere at the beginning of the preliminary card. But, you know, hey, that's not me. But I also want to say that probably there's a lot of people out there that didn't get to, didn't get to purchase the, the main card, didn't get to shell out the $50, $60, $70 or whatever it is nowadays uh, through ESPN Plus to be able to watch the show. So to be able to get Anthony Pettis versus Donald Cerrone for free, I think, hey, man, if, if you weren't able to buy that pay-per-view card and all you got to see was the ESPN preliminary card, man, you got a great uh, main event. And... You know, some people were even saying that the UFC should have given this show out for free, that they shouldn't have charged anybody. Well, let me just let me just address on that for a little bit, because um, people have to remember the UFC sold the rights, the distribution rights of their pay-per-views to ESPN. ESPN pays them, I think it's somewhere around six hundred million dollars a year for the rights to broadcast their pay-per-views on ESPN Plus. ESPN chooses the price point. They choose how much they want to charge because they're already paying the UFC for the show. 
So the, so it's not up to the UFC how much it's charged. So if you're going to be angry at someone, pick on ESPN. Pick on ESPN because they're the ones that chose to charge people. They choose the price, not Dana White, not the UFC. They provide the content. ESPN provides the paywall. But with that being said, Donald Cerrone and Anthony Pettis, they could fight 100 times and 100 times. It would be a great fight. No question about it. Two of the all-time favorites of pretty much any MMA fan who's been around for a while, and uh, they certainly put on a show. So congratulations to those, those guys. Tough loss for Donald Cerrone. Good win for Anthony Pettis. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what those two guys do next. Anthony Pettis, is they have him ranked at number 15, so he's a long ways away from a title shot. But then again, at the same time, the, a right matchup here and there at either 170 or 155, and he could be right back in the mix again. Donald Cerrone, of course, is a big-name guy, uh, a main event-level fighter, as is Anthony Pettis. So both of these guys could easily find their way in a position to where they could be two or three fights away from another opportunity at a, at a UFC championship. But, uh, you know, who knows? And, of course, we'll open up the main card, the pay-per-view card, with Greg Hardy versus Jorgen DeCastro. This was a very interesting fight. I don't think anybody picked Jorgen DeCastro unless you just are one of those people that absolutely can't stand Greg Hardy and you chose with your heart, not with your head. But this was an interesting fight because I felt like as the fight began, DeCastro had a good game plan. He was landing some leg kicks. He was... He was landing first. I mean, he wasn't backing up. He didn't seem afraid of Greg Hardy, who was an enormous man and much larger, visibly much larger than DeCastro. And it looked to me like if DeCastro was able to keep up what he did in the first round through rounds two and rounds three, that he was going to get the win. I mean, I was kind of surprised that it was 30-27 because I – was kind of leaning towards DeCastro in the first round. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But, you know, I feel like if he would have been able to maintain that pace, I don't know if he got hurt. Uh, some people, that you know, the commentators were saying maybe he hurt his foot or something and it was slowing his movement. I don't know. But I, I, what I do know is that in the second and third round, he just, he just kind of sat back and went into don't get knocked out mode and fought really safe, didn't, didn't really throw a lot of punches, and he – he earned a unanimous decision loss. So Greg Hardy gets the win. He moves to 6-2. and two. You know, it's still a prospect. And they, one of the things that was, I thought was interesting about Greg Hardy was the fact that he fought five times last year. Very active fighter. A lot of people, a lot of fighters don't get to be that active. But he's stayed busy. And, um, you know, I don't know if what we saw really makes us think that, hey, this guy is a contender or, hey, this guy should be in the top ten. Or, or anything of that nature, even the top 15 for that for that matter. You know, he's working hard and, you know, as a fighter, all of the personal stuff and issues that he's had in his past uh, aside, just evaluating him purely as a fighter, whether or not he has potential to be a future champion, I don't know, that remains to be seen. I, uh, personally, I don't see it. I don't see uh, talent. I mean, yeah, he's big. Yes, he's long. He's, he's powerful. And... Um, but, you know, I just, don't, I just don't know that I see the skill level there. Of course, that can get better. You know, so time will tell on, on, on Greg Hardy, and we'll, we'll see what happens. But he, you know, hey, he gets the win. The next fight on the card was Calvin Cutter, Calvin Cutter and J. 
Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens finds himself coming into this fight overweight at 150 pounds. Jeremy Stevens is a longtime fan favorite and almost always guaranteed for an exciting fight. Anytime Jeremy Stevens, Jeremy Stevens steps into the octagon, has a coming into the fight against Cutter having uh, a little bit of a tough time, a little bit of a a, a a tough run as of late, looking at uh, losing three out of his last four. Of course, the no contest against um, Yari Rodriguez with the eye poke. And then, of course, and then he turned around and lost the rematch. But that being said, we know Jeremy Stevens is a knockout power guy and an exciting fighter. And uh, Calvin Cutter coming in, looking to work his way up into that top five, looking for a fight to kind of vault himself into um, the top six, top five, get a big fight. And he did a great job. He looked very, uh, uh, very strong. Jeremy Stevens comes out and he's always swinging with bad intentions. But uh, tonight, that night just was not his night. It was uh, Cutter coming in and landing a a phenomenal inside elbow right on the button of Jeremy Stevens. And he's able to get in there and get the finish right in the around the middle point of the second round. So Calvin Cutter's going to be looking to get a top five or six fight, top five or six opponent there in there in that uh, lightweight division. So it'll be interesting to see what they do next with him. And and now we're kind of asking ourselves about Jeremy Stevens. Has he come to the point where in his career where now he's kind of that gatekeeper? Is he falling into that gatekeeper position where he's the guy that guys below him are now looking and saying, okay, if I can get a fight with Jeremy Stevens, if I can look impressive against him, then that's going to vault me to a bigger fight. That's going to vault me, and and I can make. He's a guy that I can make my name off of, and um, you know he might be at that point in his career. I don't know. I don't know. You know, he's now lost four fights in a row. I doubt that he uh, would be a candidate to get cut by the UFC. He is a fan favorite. And he, he's always exciting no matter who he fights. But, you know, he may be finding himself in that position where he he's perennially stuck, you know, somewhere in the 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 spot. And guys are looking to make a name for themselves by fighting him. Um, but, you know, Jeremy Stevens, again, like I said, is a fan favorite. And Calvin Cutter fought a great fight. Cutter fought a, fought a good fight. And um, we'll see. We'll see who he gets matched up with next. Um, you know, I'm sure he's going to want another fight in that top top five or six uh, in the UFC's uh, rankings. Next on the card was the up and coming Jazino. Excuse me if I butchered his first name. Rosenstruck taking on the always exciting, or maybe not always exciting, but definitely definitely dangerous Francis Ngannou. If you've seen Francis Ngannou fight, you know what he does. You know what he's all about. You know what he's capable of. And in this case, Rosenstruck came out after his last win, which was an impressive win uh, over Alistair Overeem, a longtime, super experienced fighter with a lot of tough fights. Alistair Overeem is a guy that's got a lot of miles on the tread. There's a lot of miles on his tires, and 
his chin, I think, has gotten to the place where it's 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 a little suspect now. I think if you can touch him on his chin, uh, you you're going to put him in danger. You know, with a guy with that many fights, a guy with that much experience, that much not just fight experience but training experience. You know, it, it wears on you. Uh, but anyway, Rosenstrike comes out, looks good against Overeem, immediately calls out Francis Ngannou. And this is absolutely a case where be careful what you wish for because you just might get it. And boy, let me tell you, did he get it? 18 seconds into the first round, Francis Ngannou knocks out Rosenstrike, gets the big win in the heavyweight division, and now he finds himself in a place where there is absolutely more questions than answers. Because Francis Ngannou now has to make a decision. Is he going to wait for the UFC to be able to put together a fight between Daniel Cormier and Stipe Miocic, or is he going to go ahead and take another fight? Because we don't know when Stipe Miocic is going to fight again. He's a firefighter. He's a first responder. He's taking care of people right now. He's needed. That job is a needed. If So he's out taking care of people, working the fire department, so we don't know when he's going to fight again. We don't know when he's going to be free to fight. He's not. He's definitely, uh, from what I understand, he's not training. Or at least he's not training like he probably could be. I don't know. So, but we definitely know that Daniel Cormier is going to be his next fight. So when you know the question is going to be, when are they going to be able to put that fight together? At what point are they going to be able to make that fight? It could be three, six, nine, twelve months. Is Francis Ngannou going to want to wait that long before he fights again? You know, I mean, that's a question that he's going to have to sit down and he's going to have to talk with his management. He's going to have to figure that out because do you risk another tough fight against another dangerous opponent that could knock you back down in the rankings? Or do you wait and you say, you know what? No, I'm going to wait. And but but again, if you wait, how long are you going to have to wait? How long are you going to have to go without getting another paycheck? So there's a lot of things that Francis Ngannou is going to have to think about. The UFC is going to have to figure out what are they going to do. This fight that he just fought, was it probably should have been for an interim title. But even if it was, does it really make a difference? Because do you want to be interim champion? I mean, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it builds the resume. And yeah, it probably guarantees you another heavyweight title shot against the actual champion. But is that really what you want? Do you want an interim title? No. No, you want the, you want the real gold. You want to beat the actual champion. And there's no doubt in my mind that Francis Ngannou wants another uh, shot at Stipe. So, you know, is he going to wait? Is he going to take another fight? We'll have to wait and see. It'll be interesting to see how things shake out. Next fight on the card, Henry Cejudo and Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz coming in, having fought only nine times. Only nine times in the last ten years. Injuries have taken this man's career. And it's been unfortunate because when you think about it, if he had been fighting this whole time, if he had been competing this entire time, how would we be looking at him right now? How would his legacy stack up against the other greats right now if he'd been fighting a regular schedule? We'll never know. Injuries robbed the fans. Injuries uh, robbed him of a lot of money, a lot of recognition. I mean, and even with the injuries, I mean, we're going to look back at him. We're going to think he's one of the best of all time, certainly one of the best Bantamweights of all time. But because of the injuries, 
he's only been able to fight nine times in the last 10 years. I was blown away when I read that. And, of course, Dominic Cruz is a guy that always says, hey, uh, there's no such thing as ring rust. There's no doubt in my mind that uh, he was about to find out. Uh, you know, he, he was going to get an, he, he got another chance to prove that. And previously before that, he would pretty much proved it. Dominic Cruz sitting out there saying, hey, there's no such thing as ring rust. Well, guess what? Apparently not for you because every time you had a layoff and you came back and fought with the exception of the last fight in 2016 against Cody Garbrandt, you won because you were on a 12-fight win streak, Dominic Cruz. And so that's what you bring to the table against Henry Zahudo, who's a guy who's a, a, a gold medalist, a two-division champion, a guy who beat Demetrius Johnson, a guy who a lot of people thought was unbeatable. So, you know, hey, interesting, interesting stuff. And, man, controversial ending. And, it, and it's always disappointing when fights end with a little bit of controversial ending, right? The stoppage was too quick or, you know, an eye poke or low blow or a legal shot or whatever. In this case, I just, looking over the fight, watching Dominic Cruz fight, I don't know that I felt like he was at the top of his game. And for me coming into the fight, one of the big questions on my mind is, is he going to be as quick as he was before? Is the footwork going to be as fluid as it was before? Is he going to be able to move in and out? Are the feints going to be there? And I got to tell you, I just don't think they were. And I don't want to take anything away from Henry Zahudo because he fought a great fight. But I just don't think that Dominic Cruz was the best Dominic Cruz that we have seen. Um, you know, I don't know if it's age. I don't know if, you know, age is father time is undefeated age catches you it's not if you get older it's just when it hits you as an athlete and you know i'm not ready to label the dominique cruz uh, is finished as an athlete because think who knows what would have happened past that second round third fourth fifth rounds who knows how that would have went but from what i saw first round a little bit of the second round. It just didn't seem to me like Dominic Cruz had as much pep in his step. He didn't have an, he didn't have the bounce that he used to have. But all credit goes to Henry Cejudo. He lands a big knee, lands a lot of shots, and this is where the controversy comes in because the referee steps in and stops the fight. Now Dominic Cruz is on the ground. And if you go back and you watch the replay, you get a chance to watch the fight again. You'll see Dominic Cruz got hit with a lot of shots. He got hit with a lot of shots. I think the referee, as he's watching it, is thinking, you know what, this fight's over. I'm stepping in. He moves in to stop the fight. But unfortunately, as he does that, Dominic Cruz begins to make his way back up to his feet. And as he makes his way back up to his feet, the referee steps in and stops it. And it's controversial. And then in the post-fight press conference, Dominic Cruz says that he smelt alcohol and cigarettes on the on the ref. Now, I'm not, you know, I don't know who's going around smelling referees. I don't think they do a smell check in the UFC. But look, if this guy was drinking before the fights, that's absolutely unacceptable. And um, definitely the commission should be done, should do something about it. The UFC, the UFC should say something. Uh, you know, but something else to keep in mind before everybody uses this as another opportunity to crap all over the UFC is the UFC does not uh, does not have a say in where the referees uh, ref and, and all that. That's totally 100 percent commission stuff. So it, 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 it lies on the shoulders. Now, it's not that the UFC can't does not have influence because they do. 
but the commissions make those decisions. And, uh, you know, if, if the referee had been drinking, then that's absolutely unacceptable. They should take his license. He should should probably either be suspended or maybe even never referee again. Because you just can't do that in a title fight. I mean, you shouldn't do that in any fight. But, I mean, a fight of that magnitude, nobody would ever be able to say whether or not that impairs his judgment. But if it does, I mean, the referee's job is to take care of the – to take care of the fighters and if he's impaired because he's drinking alcohol then he can't do that so uh you know i don't know interesting accusation and you know we may never know whether or not there's any truth to it or not i don't know why dominic cruz would lie about it i don't even know why he would say it i know he was disappointed rightfully so uh you know in my opinion he probably should have been given a little bit more time once he got to his feet should have been given more time uh, to fight it out. He didn't. Henry Cejudo gets another big win. And, man, if a controversial finish wasn't enough, Henry Cejudo gets on the mic with Joe Rogan and says he's got a big announcement to make. And that announcement is that he's decided to walk away at the age of 33. Henry Cejudo says he's been He's been on top of every sport that he's ever been in. He's won an Olympic gold medal. He's been uh, he's a two division champion in MMA, and now he just wants to walk out on top. Come on, give me a break. There is no way. There was no one that heard it last night. There was no one in the cage. Dana White himself, not Dominic Cruz, not Joe Rogan not anybody in that arena that could hear any word that he said believes that he's done or that he's going to retire. I don't believe that for one second. He said previously before that he was looking for more money. It, it, to me, it's absolute posturing for, for, for more money. And you know what? Good on him. If he can get more money, if he can get more money to fight, then guess what? I'm all for that. And if he's got to say he's willing to walk away, then fight and defend those titles to get more money, then you know what? If it's within his ability to do so, then more power to him. But, you know, to me, that's what I think it is. I think he's just looking to get a bigger payday. And, hey, man, the guy's a two-division champion. You know, you can call him what you want. Yeah, he puts out cringeworthy videos. Yeah, everything that he does is goofy and awkward. But the man is winning. Uh, The man is beating top contenders and you know again he's a two division champion and they don't just grow those on trees so the ufc absolutely can write a check big enough to get him out of his quote unquote retirement i would bet the farm that we have not seen the last of henry cejudo on to the main event of the evening it was a 155 pound interim title main event between Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje. Tony Ferguson coming in with a solid and strong 12-fight win streak. Justin Gaethje riding a four-fight win streak of his own. Of course, this was supposed to be Ferguson versus Khabib. They tried it six times. It's the fight that just isn't meant to happen. And it didn't happen yesterday, but Justin Gaethje comes in. On short notice, they get ready, they get it done. I got to tell you, coming into this fight, I did not think that Justin Gaethje was going to be able to get the job done. I figured that Tony Ferguson was going to be too dynamic of a striker for him. I didn't, you know, whether it was on the feet or whether it was on the ground, 
I believe that Tony Ferguson had the advantage. And I tell you, I got to tell you, man, uh, Justin Gaethje made a believer out of me. Justin Gaethje fought a great fight. He fought a patient fight. He fought a technically sound fight. The overhand, the over-the-top right was there every time. The left hook was there almost every time. He landed, a, 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 he landed at 71% on Tony Ferguson. 71% of the punches or the strikes that he threw, he landed. I mean, he was he fought the absolute fight of his life. I don't know if Tony Ferguson just didn't think, you know, Justin Gaethje has the reputation rep, reputation of a brawler, uh, a kind of a bite on your uh, bite on your mouthpiece and put your head down and swing for the fences. And that guy swings with bad intentions, no doubt about it. But last night he looked strong. He looked technical. He looked good. He looked like a guy that's ready to fight for a world title. And Tony Ferguson, we know him, man. He He's an impressive guy, a guy that has endless cardio. And I'm watching the fight, and I'm thinking, you know, eventually Gaethje's going to get tired. Tony's not going to get tired. But, man, shot after shot, clean shot after shot. And eventually the referee had just seen enough. He waves it off. Tony Ferguson goes down. The 12-5 win streak is over. Justin Gaethje is the interim lightweight champion and now what awaits him is the undefeated Khabib Nurmagomedov the wrestling bear himself and so we'll see when that fight happens but one of the things that really kind of you want to sit back and think about here is Tony Ferguson fought 12 times he won 12 times he never fought for a real championship in 12 fights in 12 wins and I think that's a I think that's a problem. If a fighter in the UFC that's fighting UFC competition, once they get to that five, six fight mark and they're not in title fights, I think that's a problem. I think the I think their management is missing something. I think the UFC is missing something. They're not positioning the their fighter to move up the ladder. Because a six fight, six, five, six, seven fight win streak in the UFC against top competition, and you're not in title talks, I think that's a problem. Tony Ferguson won 12 fights in a row and only found himself fighting for the interim title twice. I think that's missed opportunities. And that goes back to the same thing that Francis Ngannou has got to look at. Maybe Tony Ferguson on some of those occasions should have waited. And said, you know what? I'm not going to fight. I'm going to wait until they can get me the real champion. And I'll just wait that out. But, you know, I mean, I guess that's why we commentate and we offer our opinions and fighters fight. But, you know, maybe, maybe in retrospect, Tony should have waited it out and said, you know what? I'm the number one contender. I deserve a shot at the champ. I'm going to wait. But he didn't. He took the fight and he lost. And so now he's got to go back to the drawing board. He's got to see where they end up positioning him. And I think this guy's going to go home, heal up, and be ready to fight again pretty quickly. So I think if the UFC can find him a fight soon, I think he's going to definitely fight uh, again probably in the, early, in the early fall. If he's not injured, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Tony Ferguson is a madman. He's, he, he is an absolute madman, and we'll see him again.
again, at the end of the day, when I look at it and I think about it, it is sad that a fighter in the UFC won 12 fights in a row and never actually got to fight for the real world title. And I guess we'll close it out with this. We'll close it out with the announcement that they made. And that is that George St. Pierre is the newest addition or going to be the newest addition of the UFC Hall of Fame. And I tell you what, George St. Pierre, if you didn't get to see him fight in his prime, you need to go out and, and check out some of his fights because this guy in his prime at that time in the world of MMA was on another level. I mean, this guy's out wrestling top flight wrestlers that have been wrestling all their life. He's out striking some of MMA's best boxers at the time. He was just on another level. And I would say this, there was guys in that division during that time, during GSP's prime run, that would have been world champions if it wouldn't have been for GSP. Guys like John Fitch, guys like Josh Koscheck, Johnny Hendricks, those guys arguably could have been welterweight champion had it not been for a man by the name of George St. Pierre. So rightfully so, I think George St. Pierre is definitely, definitely, will go down as one of the greatest MMA fighters of all time, without question deserving of the UFC Hall of Fame. So congratulations to George St. Pierre. Well deserved. I am disappointed, though. I am disappointed that they left out the uh, line of through on Matt Hughes where he said, I'm not, I'm not impressed with your performance. Or, you know, however he said it in his uh, great can French-Canadian accent. Um, you know, one of the best lines that George St. Pierre ever said, they had to have, they needed to have that in that little package, but they didn't. So they let me down. But uh, hey, George St. Pierre is definitely a Hall of Famer, definitely one of the best and uh, well deserving of that honor. So let's finish it up with um, this week's Do You Remember That Time When? We've been, an, we've been a 100% MMA show. No pro wrestling on today's show. We'll, we'll kick in a little bit of pro wrestling talk next week. Um, but just to get a little bit of the pro wrestling in there, I want to say and I want to ask you, all the listeners out there, do you remember that time when CM Punk fought in the UFC? Do you remember the time when CM Punk fought in the UFC. Man, this one came out of nowhere. CM Punk, we knew he was an MMA fan. We knew he was a guy who trained a little bit of jiu-jitsu here and there over the years. If you're a wrestling fan, if you kept up with CM Punk, you already knew those things. But then in seemingly almost out of nowhere, it's announced CM Punk has signed with the UFC. And not only has he signed with the UFC, he hasn't signed to commentate. He hasn't signed to do interviews. No, CM Punk has signed to fight. This guy at the time, I think at 37, 38 years of age, somewhere in that range, is now going to jump from the world of professional wrestling to the world of mixed martial arts. Man, blows everybody out of the way. Of course, MMA fans are outraged. MMA fighters some of them are outraged, too. They can't believe that CM Punk is going to come in and get the huge payday when he's never fought one fight in MMA. No amateur fights, nothing like that. But it is what it is. He comes in. He goes to a good camp, working out with Duke Rufus, longtime great, well-known, highly respected trainer Duke Rufus. 
brings in CM Punk and they're preparing him to fight. And it takes like two years for him to get ready. Two years before he actually gets to step in the cage. And they go out and they find a guy by the name of Mickey Gall. 1-0 Mickey Gall is going to face 0-0 CM Punk in Cleveland, Ohio on UFC 203 back in 2016, I think it was. And boy, did reality hit CM Punk in the face. Well, it really wasn't reality. It was actually Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall just came in and annihilated CM Punk. Takes him to the ground, takes his back, rear naked choke, two minutes and 14 seconds into the first round. CM Punk's UFC debut is over. (sighs) Man, basically proved everybody right. Look, MMA is not a sport that you just pick up. And one of the things that a lot of wrestling fans are critical of are when outside celebrities come into professional wrestling and try to play the part of a wrestler. And there's kind of this long-running joke that anytime a celebrity or someone comes in, they get to play professional wrestling fantasy camp, right? They get to step in the ring, and maybe they get to do a few uh, moves, and or maybe they get to compete in a match. They get to go full wrestling fantasy camp. Well, CM Punk got to go full MMA fantasy camp. The only difference is that you get choked out when you go to MMA fantasy camp. You get punched in the face when you go to MMA fantasy camp. You know, look, I don't want to bag too much on CM Punk. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking in the back of your head, Greg, how can you be so harsh? You've never stepped in the cage. You've never fought. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Look, CM Punk deserves a lot of credit. Training MMA is not hard. That is something that I have done. Training jiu-jitsu is not easy. Training MMA is not easy. Those are both things that I have done. Um, I have sparred with guys that fight. It is not easy. It is a very humbling experience. For those of you that have never trained jiu-jitsu or never trained MMA, it is an extremely humbling experience to feel helpless in, uh, and at the uh, mercy of the person that you are sparring with or rolling with. You know, so, so for CM Punk to actually step out there, you know, all jokes aside, satire aside, look, the guy deserves a lot of credit for going after his dream. Look, if he wanted to pursue a career in MMA and his name, his name and his history in professional wrestling was going to allow him to uh, earn a good paycheck, hey, more power to him. But again, he, he was served up a nice dose of reality in the name of Mickey Gall. And then he gets a second fight in the UFC against Mike Jackson. And at this point, I'm hoping... You know, maybe he can get a win. You know, I'm a CM Punk fan. I, I, I'm I, a professional wrestling fan. I'm a CM Punk fan. I'm all the way back to Ring of Honor and even a little bit before that. So I'm hoping he can get a win. Now he's been training for several years. He's been, you know, hard in the gym. And, uh, you know, he comes out and he fights Mike Jackson and he loses unanimous decision. And it's a fight where it, it, it looked clear to me that in at any point, Mike Jackson could have finished him. So I think CM Punk found out that in-cage MMA is, is, is probably not for him. Um, you know, maybe in another life, had he went the route of mixed martial arts instead of professional wrestling, maybe things would have turned out a little bit different for him. I don't know. But what I do know is that MMA, jiu-jitsu, is not something that you just pick up. It, it is very tough. 
you know, and I don't want to, again, I don't want to sound too harsh on the guy. You know, I, I've trained a little MMA, trained a little jujitsu, and it is a very humbling experience, if it's something that you've never done, to be at the mercy of, uh, of another human, basically. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, look, again, uh, I don't want to go too hard on him, but, you know, just looking back and remembering that time when CM Punk fought in the UFC, what a crazy time it was. Uh, credit to him, I guess, for getting a big, two big paydays and, uh, you know, getting a chance to uh, do something that he probably wanted to do for a long time. And, uh, you know, if he was able to use his name to uh, vault himself into a position that probably he, he didn't deserve based on his experience, you know, I mean, hey, that is what it is. MMA, the UFC, look, guys, the UFC is 100% entertainment first and sports second. And, and that's just a truth that all MMA fans need to just uh, come to grips with. Um, it is entertainment first. It is sports second. That's why CM Punk can fight in the UFC. That's why guys can uh, get title shots and uh, not be on win streaks or get title shots coming off of losses. It's, it's, it's entertainment first. You remember that time when CM Punk fought in the UFC? Well, anyway, that's going to be our episode for this week. I hope everybody has a great is having a great Mother's Day today. I want to say happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there again. I know I missed the last couple of weeks of episodes. Going to try to continue to put out some um, good podcast commentary on the world of MMA and uh, professional wrestling for you. So if you like the show, again, follow me at Majority MMA. Uh, like and subscribe to the show if you could on uh, the platform that you choose to listen to it. I'd really appreciate it. And again, hope everybody has a great week. Stay safe out there and uh, we'll see you next time.